When you stay faithful, God will never forsake you. That's the testimony of that story. It doesn't matter what's done to you. When you stay faithful, God will never forsake you. We do not give because we want something. We give because it's worship. We don't pray because we want something. We pray because it's worship. Come on, we don't worship because we want something. We worship because He's already done something. Come on, so you get what I'm saying? That's why we develop our relationship with God. That's why we develop better conversations with God. Would you do me a huge favor real quick and welcome all of those who are joining us online via Facebook and YouTube. We had 20 people last service, 20 more people that we added to that service online. And then another fourfold of that, you do me a huge, one more bigger favor right here and welcome all of those, our brothers and sisters in Christ down at the Eunice Correctional Facility. We are excited to have them in service with us. God bless you guys and ladies. Ladies, we love you and we want you to grow with us. This morning, I want to talk to you about hearing from God, hearing from God. You can turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I want you to turn in your Bibles or, or Android, uh, iPad, Pod, app, whatever. Turn there and, uh, and get ready to highlight because I want you to have this this passage in mind, but as you're turning there, I, I just want to make sure that you understand um, and, and the, the position even that I'm speaking from this morning, okay, is that the Bible and even ministry in the world today, okay, the Bible is full of imperfect people, imperfect people. The church is full of imperfect people. Nudge the person next to you and say, no, don't do that. The church is is full of imperfect people. The Bible, the Word of God is full of imperfect people that never stopped praying. Peter, the Apostle Peter, was an uneducated fisherman that happened to inherit his father's business and was taking it down the tube quickly. Um, how many of you understand that if you are a fisherman by trade, you are supposed to catch fish? But the Bible says that he fished all night and he caught nothing. And then he met Jesus. And Jesus said, do something different. I'm going to take you to a new place. I'm going to do a new thing. So Peter was the one that even after he met Jesus, he may as well have walked around with a sandal in his mouth just to have a place to insert his foot. Because he was constantly saying or doing something that Jesus had to put him back in line for. In fact, Jesus was so impressed the one time that Peter got the right answer. Peter said, who do you say that I am? And Peter says you are the Christ the son of the living God and Jesus goes flesh and blood did not reveal this to you Peter in other words he's saying there is no way you came up with that on your own my father had to have revealed that to you as much ignorant stuff as you have said to me over the past three years but it was Peter although he didn't learn how to tame his tongue when he was with Jesus it was Peter that would stand with the 11 and give the first message that built the first church of 3000 people on the day of Pentecost because the bible is full of imperfect people that never stop praying Mary Magdalene is is referred to by many as as the harlot many think that she was uh, into prostitution or perhaps maybe even she uh, may have been the woman called in the act of adultery some scholars believe no matter what it was before she met Jesus she was not a household name nobody knew her nor did they care to know her but Jesus took her and she followed him she followed him all the way to the grave and then went to the tomb the next day and how many of you know that it was Mary Magdalene that found the tomb empty and Mary Magdalene the former harlot became the the world's first evangelist to go and tell the rest of the disciples that Jesus is no longer dead he is alive and well he has risen from the grave Paul <clears throat> opposite end of the spectrum an educated man a prominent man a man of position and status. But the Bible says, according to his own words, that he was the chief of all sinners. The chief of all sinners. See, every time that you begin to do something specific or something special for God, 
he's going to begin to try to, the devil will try to begin to remind you of what you've already done in your past. But Paul, because he was an imperfect person that never stopped praying, didn't get hung up on the fact that he was the chief of all sinners. He realized that he would be the author of 13 books in the New Testament writing half of what God would have to say to his church all the way up into the 21st century. James, the little brother. How many of you have a little brother? You know little brothers then, okay? If you don't have a little brother, I'm glad the Lord spared you. I'm kidding, I love all my brothers. <clears throat> Even the ones that were in, married in. I love him so much, I brought him here to serve on staff. I really just wanted my niece, but he's doing a really good job. James! The little brother, the little brother that never believed the whole time that he was here. Jesus was with him for three years, and James grew up with uh, Jesus, and yet he, he rebuked him. He, he rebelled against him, and he never believed in him until he was gone. Jesus ascended into heaven, and James realized his mistake. And because he was an imperfect person that never stopped praying, Jesus forgave him and saved him, and position, positioned James to become the leader of the church in Jerusalem and used him to write one of the most profound books of the New Testament that we still have to this day. The list goes on. Jacob the deceiver became Israel, the, the one that would host the nations. Joseph, the arrogant little loudmouth dreamer with a colorful coat, became the one that would provide for the entire nation of Israel as Egypt's second in command. Moses, the st st stuttering, livestock tender of his father-in-law. Ladies, listen, let me help you out real quick. If you're looking for a husband, okay, and you begin to ask him what his five-year plan is, and he says, well, I just thought that we could move into your parents' house, <clears throat> That we could stay here in this land and I could just be your father's servant. We could stay in your bedroom. You grew up in it. It's already ready. We'll just move in there. I'll bring my stuff. We'll make it work. I'll, uh, everything that your dad has, I'll just help him take care of it. Um, his sheep are my sheep and your sheep and we'll just all sheep together, okay? That's how we'll just do life. That's not the husband that you want, okay? I'm going to live off my father-in-law for the rest of my life. That's not, that's not the man of vision and purpose that you need to be looking for. But that was Moses. Until he had a revelation of God. Until he continued to remember where he came from. And he never stopped praying. So the man that was living off of his father-in-law's land became the man that God would use to deliver the nation of Israel from the Egyptians' hand. Imperfect people. That never stopped praying. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17. Very simply. Never stop praying. Pastor I've done it before. I know. But don't get hung up. On your glimpse of history. Don't get hung up. On your snapshot of time. That you now live in. I'm telling you that. Although it feels like. A thousand years. In heaven it's really only been a day. Although it feels like you've been praying and seeking and asking and saying, God help, God help, God help. I didn't ask for this person to leave me. I didn't ask for this person to hurt me. I didn't even want to begin to build this house. I didn't want to break ground. It felt bigger than me when we felt like we were supposed to begin to do it. And then he left me and I'm here all alone with this two-year-old by myself. God help, never stop praying because God doesn't see in a snippet of time he is the God of all time he sees the whole picture when we just see a piece of brush in the picture okay I think of my dad my dad passed away in 2009 and I, I like this I mean, I'm not telling you that for you to feel sorry for me but he gets up into heaven and and I, I just see him you know he's just barely getting his shoes off like getting comfortable and all of a sudden three years later my grandmother died my nana his mother passed away so my dad just barely got up there he's taking his shoes off getting comfortable and all of a sudden he hears Doug ah! 
I just got here. What are you doing here already? It's been three years on earth. Listen, a thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years with the Lord. You can't quit praying because it doesn't happen on your timetable. You can't stop serving because you don't see the fruit of it within just a week or a year or even five years. You've got to stay the course, be an imperfect person that never stops praying, and be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And let me talk to you about the balance between two ends of a spectrum. There's this idea in, in Christianity that you can just receive Christ and then live however you want to. And God forgave all the sins that you've ever done, all the sins that you will ever do. And then you just keep living in that sin and God for some reason is okay with it. There is that doctrine. It's a, it's a hyper-grace doctrine, if you will. It's an excessive doctrine of a biblical truth. And, and if, if you're not careful, then you could have false confidence in a salvation that you're not living. If you're not careful. You could have false confidence okay, in a salvation, in a, in a Jesus that you're not abiding in. If you're still abiding in the old ways and the things that he supposedly saved you from. Now, watch this. On the other end of the spectrum, way over here, is this, uh, it, and we'll just call it what it is. It was kind of the Pentecostal holiness movement, okay? That the TV is a one-eyed devil with a tail and going swimming is mixed bathing if there's a member of the opposite sex there, okay? You can't do anything. If you stumped your toe and cussed in your spirit, you better drop to your knees and repent or you're going to hell, okay? That's the... I don't want you to have false confidence in a salvation that you're not living. But on the other side, I don't want you to have a lack of confidence for who you are when you are in Christ. Continuing to carry the shame of your past. Continuing to make mistakes and not realize that that's part of the process. That being able and willing to grow in the Spirit of the Lord and not stay there is part of what God's will is for you. Right over here in the middle is someone who refuses to remain in their sin and continue in that direction. And someone who has confidence not in who they are, but in who who they are is as a child of God and they get that my mistakes are part of what I get to learn and the reason that I even realize their mistakes is because the Holy Spirit is dwelling in me and he's showing me the things that I used to get away with and not even be convicted by are things that I need to adjust and change in Jesus Christ so that I can accomplish his will does that make sense Every time that you see an extreme in one direction or the other, you need to look for Jesus, and Jesus is in the balance. He's right in the middle. He's not about evil. He's not about good. He's about life right there in the center, and that is his balance for you. And when you are in him, what you receive and what you operate in is the life that he purchased for you. But a lack of holiness will lead to a surplus of hindrance. When you don't live in a, in a way that pursues holiness, then your prayer life, your conversations with God are going to be hindered. But holiness diminishes hindrance. Holiness diminishes hindrance. So when you pursue Christ and you abide in Christ, you discover that your holiness is found only, not mostly, but only in Him. And you cannot continue in the old way that you were going. You don't clean up and come to Jesus. You come to Jesus and He cleans up. And as often as you are willing to come, He is willing to clean. Thank God. Because I don't know about you, but there were some times when I kept getting saved and getting saved and getting saved. I read this book called Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart. Like He answered you the first time. You know what I'm saying? Like He was like, no! And then come. No, you know, that's not what happened, okay? What happened is that I didn't grow in the confidence of who I should be in Him and learn how to overcome the, th the things. So I kept drifting away from His will for my life when He wanted me to just approach His throne of grace with confidence. Well, how often can I do that, Pastor? As often as necessary. Jesus said, come and be forgiven 70 times, seven times in the same day. And he can't tell his disciples to do something that he's not willing to do himself. So as often as necessary. 
Don't you ever tolerate sin and stay in that old place. But don't you ever walk around like Eeyore with no tail, wishing somebody come along and pick something up that Jesus has already purchased for you. You can be confident in who you are in Jesus Christ. And as long as you abide in Him, then no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You are above and not beneath the head and not the tail. He has positioned you and anointed you. You have a purpose and He's got a plan. And He's going to establish everything in between. My confidence is not in Chris. My confidence is in Christ. Chris messes junk up, and Megan lets him know it. That's how that works. Prayer is how we have relationship with God. Prayer is how we have relationship. See, you can't have relationship without communication. Communication is the key to a a, a vibrant relationship. Listen, if you've, if you've been around any members of the opposite sex for any time at all, or even possibly your, your best friends, you understand that as the communication fades, so does the friendship. But as the communication increases, the friendship will grow. The relationship will grow. And husbands, it's okay that they make you communicate whether you want to or not. It's a good thing. Ladies, it's okay that we sometimes just want to go to sleep. She's actually the opposite on that. I'm the one that's like, no, we're going to deal with this tonight, woman. She's like, what? I'm sorry. Kept up with three kids and a dog all day. Don't have time for a fourth one. Can I please go to sleep? Thank you. She's tiny. She got a lot to say. Communication is key, but how many of you have that friend that won't shut up? All right, look, if you don't have that friend, then you are that. Somebody, I don't know. Like, you don't understand what, like, you want to call them, but you know better. <laughs> like, you know you need to call and catch up. You're like, man, I hadn't talked to this person in a really long time. We used to be, used to be really close, but... There just ain't enough hours in this day. I'll have to call them some other time. When I'm bored and I have nothing else to do, I'll let that friend know how my life's going. Listen, I know it's funny, but sometimes that's what we do to God. The only time we ever talk to him is when we want something. The only time we ever talk to him is when we have something to say. And that's why this morning I want to talk to you about not just talking to God, but hearing from God. Don't be that friend that only comes around when you need to vomit everything that you haven't had to say or been able to catch up with recently. Be the friend like he is that sticks close, even when it's going really well. Be the friend that comes and calls upon the name of the Lord whenever there is a specific need, a devastating need. But come to the Lord and learn how to listen. Learn how to listen. Now I'm going to tell you about seven ways to go before God And to hear from God, I'm going to give you seven ways. It'll be quick. God help me. But before I do that, I want to give you two disclaimers. Yeah, I know. I have nine points, and I tried to cover it, but there's just no way because you guys can add. Number one, these are the two disclaimers. These are huge, okay, when it comes to hearing from God. Number one, God never, ever, never, ever, ever, never, at all, ever, never, ever, speaks counter to his word. He never speaks counter to his word. He's not going to say something new that goes against what he's already said. Okay? Best example I could think of, I wrote it in my notes on Thursday, didn't even realize it until I looked down and saw it earlier. God never speaks counter to his word. He's not schizophrenic. He's not bipolar. He's not even anxious. He's not going to say, don't be unequally yoked, and then excuse you when you go and be unequally yoked. And I'm not talking about race or, or, I'm talk, or position in life. I'm talking about spiritually where you stand and who you are in Christ. And so when, when girls come up to me, they're like, I met this new person. Da, da, da. We used to have teenagers. Oh, I got this boy. He's coming with me to this church. I'm like, okay, that's awesome. Where does he go to church? Does he love Jesus? How often does he drink, smoke, and cuss? What does that matter? Oh, are you done? You can't go against his word and expect to accomplish his will. 
It'd be like running out of pulpit space. You can't do that. God will never speak to you something that's counter to his word. If it's not in line with his completed word, watch this, it's just going to get country for just a second. It ain't him. If it's not in line with his word, it's not his will. And if you step into it, you're stepping out of his will. So don't step into it. He will never speak against his word. When you're coming to hear from God, he never speaks against his word. Number two, he always speaks in peace. God's word brings peace. Now listen, I'm not saying that you're not going to have some doubt, maybe some fear, some obstacles, okay? You may have to operate in boldness, in faith, confidence in him and him alone. God may tell you to do something that seems ignorant to everybody around you. (laughs) He may tell you to do something that seems foolish to everybody around you. But when it's him, you will know it's him because you will have this overwhelming sense of peace and you don't even understand why. I can't explain why I feel like I'm supposed to do this, but I know and believe that I heard from the Lord and I have to stand on it because I have peace about it and He keeps opening up doors of opportunity for me to walk walk through. If He closes the door, then turn around. If you don't know what to do, don't do anything. If you don't know what to do, do what you're supposed to do. If he's not telling you, then stand there and wait. Be still and know that I am God because he can speak that way. He speaks through peace. He never speaks against his word. You'll be humbled by what you hear. And that's how you should communicate it. Philippians 4 verse 6 through 7. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Okay, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Come on, tune in. You're okay. Verse 6, verse 7. Then you will experience God's peace. That's how you know it's Him. We've got personnel on standby ready to take care of anything that happens. So you guys just stay plugged in. They're going to handle that. We'll take care of this. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. It's that peace that surpasses all understanding. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live. Watch, hang on. As you live in Christ Jesus, not in anything else. If you start living in something else, then you're not going to have the peace of God. Just a small example. I knew for a fact that I was called to ministry. And I knew for a fact that it was not children's ministry. (laughs) The way that I learned that was being in children's ministry for about six months. And when you scream shut up at 15, like 11-year-olds, boys, and they all want to leave because the guy's mean, that is a sign, okay, from the Lord that this is not your calling. But even then, okay, Even when I stepped away from that for a season, I was so called to vocational, full-time vocational ministry that when I stepped out of that children's ministry position that I knew I wasn't supposed to be in, between the window of receiving a full-time position as a youth pastor, which was about, man, what, seven, eight months before we finally moved? In that window of time, I could sense being outside of God's will for my life. It's not that I was currently, but I could sense that this was not where I was supposed to stay. And as soon as we moved back in, that veil came back over the top of me. That covering was back. And I realized it whenever we moved in. You cannot live outside of what God's will is for you and still remain in God's peace. You will have to fight it off every day. Let me quickly give you seven ways to hear from God. Seven ways to hear from God. I'm going to start with the most super spiritual because they're fun. Number one, through supernatural manifestations. (laughs) You just have to do that whenever you say that. I didn't do it first service. felt like I was supposed to. The burning bush for Moses. Supernatural manifestation. 
the voice of the Lord triumphs from the bush and it's not consumed. Supernatural manifestation. Gideon's fleece. Gideon's called. He's the weakest from the he's the lowest of these from the weakest tribe. God says, Gideon, I want to use you. He's like, No, you don't, I promise. God's like, Yes, I do. So Gideon's like, okay, if you really want me to do this, show me a sign. How many ever many are like, okay, I know I heard from God, but show me a sign anyways. I'll never forget. I, was, <laughs> I knew I was supposed to be with her. I just watched her car drive by. We were broken up one weekend. I watched her car drive by, and I couldn't even finish my work. I couldn't even finish like what I came down to the field to do. So I'm standing in the tee. I'm standing in the, in the whatever the thing is called with the nets, stinking batting cage. Thank you, Jesus and Pastor Weston. I'm standing in the batting cage, and I have a ball on the tee, and she just drove by in her little car, and we were broken up. I was like, mm, dog it. That's all right. I'm man. I can take I fight it off. All right, Lord. If I'm supposed to be with her, let me hit this ball in the back of this cage. I, y'all, I seriously, I hit the back of the cage. I was like, Lord, if I'm not supposed to fight this off, <laughs> supposed to be with her, let me hit this ball just one more time. That's what Gideon was doing. Gideon's like, Lord, if I heard from you, let me take my sheepskin and throw it out on the ground, make the ground wet, the sheepskin dry. He wakes up the next morning, the ground's wet, sheepskin's dry. He picks it up. He's like, okay, God, if that was really you, Lord, if that was really you, let me lay this sheepskin out on the ground again. And when I lay it out on the ground this time, let the sheepskin be wet, let the ground be dry. He wakes up the next morning. He's like, wet sheepskin, dry ground. I guess God's talking to me. Listen, when you need a sign, you're going to doubt the sign even when he gives it to you. And Gideon did that so often that God's like, you know what? I've given you too many people to serve in your army. I'm going to take some away. Oh, you got 30,000 still? No, no, no. I want to dwindle this thing down to 300. In fact, I want you to take all these guys and you go down to that river and the ones that get down on their knees and suck the water out of the river, I want you to leave them there. But the ones that cup their hands and lap the water like a dog, I can use them idiots. They're going to do what I tell them too. I want to purpose them imperfect people. Come on, somebody. We're going to have 300 people and go to battle. Okay, God, what weapon would you have me use? Which one do you want me to take? No, no, no. I just want you to grab some clay pots and some candles. You need a sign? I'm going to show you something significant, son. Go get you some clay pots and some candles. Take that 300 that you had and go line the top of the mountain. And I don't want you to come running down and attack the enemy. I want you to sing. All right, y'all. <laughs> Listen, don't get stuck there. Don't get stuck there. That's not the only way that God speaks. Supernatural manifestations, that's incredible. Okay? But we shouldn't have to have that to hear from God. Let me give you another way. He speaks through dreams and visions. He speaks through dreams and visions. We've been at full-time vocational ministry full-time vocational ministry for the past uh, almost decade. And in that time of full-time vocational ministry, God has given me a dream or a vision that I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, like out-of-body experience one time, okay? And if he never does it again, that would be perfectly fine with me. And he gave me that vision, and that vision was of this place, that dream that was of this place. But if that were the only way that God ever spoke to me, then I'd be leaning in and trying to listen and not getting anything done in the meantime. He does speak that way. He spoke that way to Solomon. He came to Solomon and said, hey, whatever you ask, in a dream, whatever you ask, I'll give it to you. Solomon said, I just want wisdom to lead your people. Jacob's ladder, he saw the angels ascending and descending. Joseph was about to cast Mary aside. An angel came to him in a dream. Peter had uh, a desire to share the gospel with the Jews. He was doing a really good job of it. God wanted to take him beyond that. He wanted him to share the gospel with the Gentiles. So he gave him a vision of a sheet and animals in the sheet. And he said, arise, kill, and eat. And Peter said, I will not eat anything unclean. And God said, don't you call unclean what I call holy. And so Peter had to stand up and go share the gospel with the Gentiles. He does speak that way, but that's not the only way. And when he doesn't speak that way, don't get mad at him. 
Because when he spoke to the prophet Elijah, number three, he spoke through a whisper. The Bible says that Elijah, after he left Mount Carmel, he ran and he hid in the cave because he was scared of a woman. <laughs> I love that. He's going to smack all of the preachers that made that joke. <laughs> when we get up, he's just going to line us up. <laughs> scared of who now? Chump. <laughs> I can just see Elijah. But he was scared of a lady. I mean, he just slew like 700 church people and every pastor should get to do. And he just <laughs> scared of a woman, hid in a cave. God, where are you? And the Bible says there was a great fire, a great earthquake, a great wind, but God was in none of those. And then all of a sudden, there was a gentle breeze. And there was a whisper in the wind. And we understand in the New Testament that in the Old Testament, the wind was the wind of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So God's still, small voice, that whisper in our spirit, is a way that He speaks. Number four, He speaks through our thoughts. He speaks through our thoughts. Now, this is the one that I gave the disclaimer for, okay? Because God is not the only one speaking in your thoughts. How many of you understand that the human heart is deceitfully wicked? We have a sinful nature called our flesh, and we can't hinge on it just because we think of it. Our battle is also not against flesh and blood alone, but against powers and principalities of darkness. The enemy will, will throw thoughts into our head. There's a really cool book about this if you kind of like um, tales that refer to things that are actually true. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called Screwtape Letters. And it's a conversation about a demon reporting back to Lucifer about the human that he's trying to trick. And this demon is taking notes on this human, and the human is showing his hand, and the demon is beginning to establish a foothold. And he talks about the thoughts that he planted in his head that he didn't fall to. He talks about the words that he heard the human say. And it's C.S. Lewis's uh, fictional translation of something that actually probably takes place in the more than natural realm. So the enemy will throw thoughts in our head. Teenagers, young people, this is really important for you. I'm going to make it easy to remember. If it ain't holy, it ain't him. If it ain't holy, doesn't matter how much you want it. Doesn't matter how good it feels. Doesn't matter how pretty he is right now. He's going to get ugly just like the rest of us, okay? If it ain't holy, it ain't him. And when God said, do not be unequally yoked to an unbeliever, he meant it. And it doesn't matter if you're 12 or 32. God's will for you is to not be unequally yoked. Now listen, you can't watch junk all day, listen to junk all day, go to bed at night and dream about it and wake up and blame it on God. Because whatever you put into your body is going to manifest through your body at some point. That's why it's so important what we watch, what we listen to, who we hang around, where we go. What we do is an essence of all those things. Because as a man thinks, so he is. And if the eyes are the lamp of the body and whatever goes into the body makes the whole body good or evil, then how many of you understand that we need to guard our eyes? We get so mad, man, I will wake up. Like, I why did I just dream that? That's evil. Well, duh, it's evil. You're evil. We're surrounded by evil. We live in an evil world. But how many of you understand that we serve a good God and his will for us is not evil? It's life. But if it ain't holy, it ain't him. So recognize it and tell that devil to go back to hell where he came from. Don't justify it. I've been living for God and then I dream something. I've been living for God and then... Prince Charming. Cusses like a sailor talks about you like you're some filthy rag that he's willing to accomplish. But he don't show you that. He'll stop earning it whenever you already come to him. You are too valuable to throw yourself away. If it ain't holy, it ain't him. Amos 4.13 says, The Lord reveals his thoughts to man. The Lord reveals his thoughts to man. He's not trying to keep secrets from you. But be led by peace. Remember Philippians 4, 7? You'll experience God's peace. That exceeds anything we can understand. It's not even going to make sense. 
how a young lady could be in a relationship for five years, go on a mission trip and dump her boyfriend all the way back home, never look back again. This is unholy. She recognized it. And God has an incredible plan and purpose for her life. Doesn't make sense. But I heard from God. And I got to hang on what I heard. Be led by peace. I'm going to spend a lot of time on this, but God can speak through circumstances. I'll just give you two words. Ready? Ask Jonah. Run from God. Don't get mad when, when life swallows you up and spits you back out and you hit rock bottom. If you listen to wisdom, you can avoid consequence. Number six, God speaks through people. I told you I'd go fast. Look, we're already through eight points this morning. You know, my preacher preached a nine-point sermon today. God speaks through people or counsel. The proverb says there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. We were talking about that a little bit on Wednesday nights. Look, don't, be, don't, go by, don't go by counsel from people that don't have what you're looking for. With my, my mom on the front row, I loved my daddy. But I would not have gone to him for marriage advice. <laughs> I just wouldn't have. If I needed help loving my son, I'd probably talk to him about that. But I ain't going to go to him about marriage advice. If I need a doctor, I'm not going to a pilot. Okay? I, I, I use this example. I think Mr. Scott Olivier does an incredible job with yards. Okay? But I'm not going to let him cut my hair, y'all. It just ain't happening. Because I done been hit by weed eaters, and that wouldn't feel good or look right. Don't take counsel from people that aren't where you want to go. But always be humble enough to listen to anybody that God wants to use. Acts 21.10. A man's coming to Paul, the Apostle Paul, in Acts 21. I mean, he's been the Apostle Paul for like 11 chapters now. Several days later, a man named Agabus. <laughs> I know, y'all. I know that's not how you say it, but I'm like, really? For real? Your mom hated you. <laughs> and then Paul's, Paul's getting ready to receive a word from the Lord. He's like, hey, buddy. Hi, I'm Agabus. <laughs> I'm Paul? <That's laughs> slap hands. I don't know. Agabus had a gift of prophecy. Praise God. Send me a weird one. Thank you, Jesus. He arrived from Judea. Verse 11 Y'all got to picture this because I really didn't picture it until like I was reading it in first service again this morning. He came over and took Paul's belt. Pastor Weston, stand up, bro. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're not. <laughs> took Paul's belt. Paul the apostle, building churches, traveling around, heard from the Lord. I mean, just all kind of shadow healing people with Peter, throwing rags on stuff. Just amazing. <laughs> comes up <laughs> I'm Agabus <laughs> Paul's like <"Woo!" laughs> I mean y'all look we have I know like I know tongues and interpretation is a little bit uncomfortable but anybody ever walks in here and snatches my belt off security <laughs> I ain't going back to that church that's funny but I ain't going back <laughs> Y'all, it's in the Bible. I don't know why we get so weirded out by things. Like, if we were around and saw this stuff, like, I'm going to that church. It's hilarious. Snatched his belt off, laid down on the ground, and bound his feet and his hands with it. Listen, just because it's a little weird doesn't mean it's not his word. You okay? Because it's a little uncomfortable, it may be God trying to make you uncomfortable because you're a little too comfortable where you are. I'm not saying that's what happened to Paul, but bound his feet and his hands with it. And then he said, the Holy Spirit declares, man, if you say that, you better know it was him. 
Because I know some people that said some stuff that God said. God's like, "Uh uh-uh, that wasn't me. Don't listen to that idiot. I didn't say that, y'all. That wasn't me, I promise. This guy says, I'm sorry, I'm back. The Holy Spirit declares, so shall the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Gentiles. Well, thanks, Agabus. That was really encouraging. I'm sorry. I didn't know that Jesus came and died on the cross so that we could just walk around and be really encouraged without any discipline to his word that he's already spoken. Christianity is not always easy. It's not a crutch for the weak. It's a cross for the willing. That's the word of God. And Paul went to Jerusalem anyways. He did what the warning told him not to do because he had the word from the Lord. Number seven, most practical way that God speaks to us is the final one, through his word. See, often we want God to tell us something new, something specific. Give me details, God. Give me a fresh revelation. Okay. What if God just wants us to listen and learn what he's already said? What if God's revelation is found in what he's already written? And let me ask this. Why in the world would God give us more when we're not doing what he's already given us. When we don't listen and obey what he's already said, then why would he say something new? That'd be like me trying to teach my three-year-old multiplication. Brother can't tell me what color is what on a consistent basis. Just do what I've already said. And when you learn how to do that, then I'll tell you the next thing. I'll take you to the next place. But you have to listen and learn and obey what I've already written. When you learn to obey what I've already written, then I will begin to pour out a new revelation on you for such a time as this. But until you do that, you're not even ready. You're not here can't give you multiplication you can't add obedience plus his word equals his will for my life this past week with our staff and board we've been just discussing the importance of vision not a vision not like supernatural but like just vision Dreaming and desiring God's will for the next and the now. And we'll talk about some of that stuff tonight at the business social at five o'clock. What we're talking about really is just hearing from God. Hearing from God. Proverbs 29, 18. It's a familiar text, but it's just too powerful to ignore. When people do not accept divine guidance, okay? When people do not accept divine guidance, the uh, New International Version says, where, where there is no revelation. The New King James Version says, where there is no vision. They run wild. Run wild. They just... Where there's no... It's like... It's like consistency with a child. They just run wild. When people do not accept divine guidance, they just run wild. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. Like they have no vision, no direction, so they just do whatever they want to. And when you do that, Solid translation, where there is no vision, the people will perish. But, whoever obeys the law is joyful. God's vision is 
It's not for where we are. God's vision is for for where we're going. God's vision is is not even for for who we are. The revelation is not just for who we are. What God does is he he gets you and he, he begins to just hone you and prune you. And then he shows you something over here that you are currently not in or you currently do not have. And he puts in you the desire to want that, that vision, that revelation. But what it does is it exposes where you're not and who you're not. And what most people do is they're not willing to be exposed. So they go to their natural tendency, which is to hide or cover up or settle in where they were, or even worse, begin to drift back into the things that were more comfortable. But when you're exposed, you realize your weakness and you understand that it's only through his strength that your weakness is perfected in him. Well, that's not how it goes. I know. But if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. And so in him, I begin to become strengthened. In him, I become to become molded into his image and likeness. In him, watch this, this is the distance between who you are and who God has for you to be. And it's not just found in the decision to become that person. God's vision is not just found in the decision to receive it. God's vision, his purpose, his plan is found in the distance between the vision given and the vision accomplished. It is the difference in the distance that makes you who you are. It is the difference in the distance that exposes your weakness and makes you more like Jesus. It's the difference in the distance that causes you to be stretched and humbled, that causes you to grow in Christ, that causes you to become more holy and more pure and more like Him. It's the difference in the distance. Could you imagine if God would have told Elijah in the cave not through a whisper but through a divine vision that if he would just hold on just a few thousand years later he'd be on top of the mount of transfiguration with Jesus and Moses and the apostles if he could have seen where God had for him to go then he wouldn't have been hiding and covering up but God gave him a vision and he said Elijah it is the vision that I have for you to accomplish that's going to you and expand you. I'm not going to do everything that you want me to do all at once. I'm going to reveal a snippet at a time. And when you get to that place and you're different because of the distance, I'm going to show you something else. Every time that you accomplish the vision, when you get to that place, God's going to give you another one. And if he stops, it's only because you stopped. I can't lead my family. I They won't follow me. They won't listen. My kids won't. Get a vision. Dream again. Pass them something along. Hear a word from God. And say, this is the way. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. He's done it before. He can do it again. But the difference in you is going to be found in the distance that you're willing to go with him. Not just the decision, but the destination that lies ahead. Father, right now, I pray that you would help us to hear from you. Let me say exactly what I need to say, but not linger or drag it out any longer than I should. If you're not living for Jesus, you're not in his will. It's really that simple. We make it so complicated with doctrine, interpretation, and theology. Really, you're either following Christ or you're not. And so today, I believe that the Holy Spirit would simply say, as Jesus told so many people, follow me. Follow me. 
If you've never received salvation and you know that you need to today or you haven't received salvation in a long time and you have not been living for Jesus in the meantime and you'd like to recommit your life to him today, right now is your opportunity. With nobody looking around, I just want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I just want to be included in this prayer. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Praise God. Thank God. Thank you. Anybody else? I see you. If your hand's raised, I see you. Don't let me leave you out. Thank you. You know, we believe that Jesus can fix that right here in one prayer. Church, let me ask you this question as we're all just being honest. If you have, as I have been convicted by this message this morning, and you know that you need to spend more time hearing from God. Transcendentalism didn't invent meditation. They stole it from Scripture. So Scripture says that David meditated on his word day and night. He didn't need a new word. He just needed to get the existing word inside of him. So if today you've been convicted and you want to make a change and you just want to admit to yourself, the Holy Spirit, and and anybody else, man, I, I need to spend more time just listening to God. My conversations with Him, they need to be more consistent. I need to increase my commitment in prayer. If I'm talking to you, would you just raise your hand right where you are? Say, Pastor, that's me. I'm just being honest. Hey, me too. Me too. Pray this prayer with me this morning, if you will. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. The things that separate me from you. I don't want to be separated. Take my life. Make it yours. Help me to stop and listen and make adjustments. Follow you with all of my heart and accomplish your will for my life. Save me and change me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now, Pastor Weston told us earlier that when just one comes back, all of heaven explodes and begins to celebrate. Can you stand with me this morning and just praise Jesus for everything that he's done with a hand clap of praise? Father, we bless you today. I thank you for all of those who prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time. I thank you that we've been-